Welcome to the community where passion for life and healthy sexuality connect beautifully and easily. I'm your host, Amanda Ammons, and my goal in life is to help you thrive. And a huge part of that is your sex life. Your one life was meant to be amazing, sex included. You most likely haven't been shown this, but I'm here to tell you, you're beautifully and intricately made. Made for more, made for the best. However your journey brought you here, join me in a new conversation about one of the most amazing things ever created, intricate, passionate intercourse. Together, let's break the shame cycle. Let's learn how to please and be pleased. Let's fight fear, find freedom, and freaking have fun. Welcome to the Passion Connected Show. Female Anatomy episode two, and we're getting to the good stuff. Hey guys, welcome back. I'm so excited to keep going on this series that we have, which is all about anatomy, knowing what you've got to work with. So a note on this episode, while you can listen to it separate, it really is an extension of the previous episode. We will be covering different body parts, but they're going to be referenced in relation to what we've previously talked about. It all kind of is a package deal. So I highly recommend you listen to that episode in conjunction with this one. But either way, let's get going. Today, we are talking about some of the biggest parts of the female anatomy that people need to understand, which are the clitoris and the vagina. Along with those, we'll be talking about just a few small side note things such as glands and lubrication and some of the other questions that you guys might have like hymen and all of that sort of stuff. But first, what is the clitoris? Let's get started there because that is the center of a lot of things. Really, the clitoris is often referred to as the pleasure point of the vulva. So we talked about this a little bit last week, but all of the parts on a woman and a man are really all coming from the same original cells in the womb as we're being developed. The same is for the clitoris. Really, what you see on the outside of the body the part of the clitoris that you see is called the clitoral glands, G-L-A-N-S, and it is homologous to the head of the penis. So when you're developing as a baby, the head of the penis comes from the same clump of cells as the clitoral glands. And the clitoris is actually a much larger structure. The whole thing, not just the glands, is a much larger structure than what people originally talked about or believed. We always focus on that outer part, but that that's just because that's what we can see. Really, the structure is a lot more internal than we thought. It kind of looks like a wishbone, but it goes back up in to your body and down between the legs and back behind the labia majora lips. So it's a lot bigger than you think, but the part that you can see, the part that is most activated by stimulation and that has a lot of nerves is the clitoral glands. It can range in size, but the average reference is about a pea, a small little pea-sized nub, really, is the best way to describe it. You can find it at the point where the labia minora, the inner labia lips, meet up at the top. And that little meeting of those lips is called the clitoral hood, which is also homologous to the foreskin on a penis, the what is sometimes circumcised on guys and sometimes not, that skin that you pull away from the head of the penis, which we'll talk about a little bit more when we get into the anatomy on men. But that is 
the same as this clitoral hood that kind of covers the clitoris. The clitoral glands is tucked up right underneath there, and sometimes it can be hard to find. I know that I've given you the option to get some diagrams and drawings and things like that, which I'll also link in this episode show notes as well as the last episode show notes. You can just sign up and get an email and it'll get sent to you with everything you need to understand yourself, but it can be hard to find the clitoris. It is not the easiest thing. The female anatomy is very, very complex. And when something like this, which is fairly small, it is not an opening and it's also hidden, it can be hard to find depending on your size. So if you're not really sure where it's at or what it looks like, that's okay. Keep trying to find it. I promise it'll make sense. Your body, you'll learn and you'll adjust and you will know your own body and it's going to make things so much better. So concerning the clitoris, since everyone's is positioned differently, they extend differently, there are really different levels of sensitivity. And it's something that you have to discover for yourself what feels good. You might need lighter pressure. You may need heavier pressure. You may need a specific motion. It may actually be more tender and is something you have to be gentle with if it is hurt or hit wrongly. It is all up to how your body works, which is beautiful and made that way for a specific reason. But once you find it and you know how it works, you have found the most concentrated center of nerve endings on the woman's body. So if you were to take all of the nerve endings in the penis, the whole penis, the whole shaft and the head and concentrate it down into one tiny little spot, that is the power of the clitoris. It is the most sensitive spot on your body, which is why it can give you so much pleasure. Now, a lot of people think that women should be able to have an orgasm simply from vaginal penetration, and studies actually show that their ability to orgasm from vaginal penetration alone is probably associated with the distance between the vagina and the clitoris. Basically, if your clitoris is closer to your vagina, you're more likely to orgasm from vaginal penetration alone because the clitoris is probably getting more friction, more tension, more action, versus if it's farther away it may be better accessed by different positions or by other stimulation, oral, manual, all of that. So when you get aroused, the clitoris actually gets an erection, which makes sense considering that the penis head and the clitoris glands is created similarly. So you get hard and it swells just slightly, giving it more accessibility. One thing that is unique about it though, to differentiate it from the penis is that For the clitoris, its sole purpose is pleasure. There is no other organ on the human body, male or female, that is like it. Which tells me that women are made for sex too. God graced us with an unparalleled organ that is ripe and ready to bring pleasure. And I don't think he put it there for us to just forget about it. He put it there to say, I have purposed you for pleasure. I have purposed you this way. You have a specific organ made for pleasure. Use it. Enjoy it. Now, there are two things that I see happening regarding women's interaction with the clitoris. Either one, they have absolutely no idea what it is and don't know how vitally important it is to their sexual health. Or two, They know exactly what it is, and once they find it, they either completely ignore it out of shame or they dedicate sole attention to it. One of those two extremes. Now, none of these 
thought processes or actions are specifically wrong. But I think that we come from a culture that previously it wasn't common to educate our daughters on the pleasures of sex. And now in our culture, there's a sex positive movement that sometimes goes a little too far, where it's focused completely on pleasure and not on intimacy. The clitoris in some circles is now praised as the end all be all because of its uniqueness. And I completely understand why. Just like a friend told me when you're having sex, you don't negate your husband's penis because that's his orgasmic spot. It's where he feels the most pleasure in the same way. You don't negate the clitoris. If you want the woman to feel pleasure. However, I think much like anything else in life, the majority of us can tend to be a little goal oriented. And in that we immediately target the pleasure points. We want to have an orgasm or we want them to have an orgasm as you discover each other and yourselves and how you best work. It's easy to go straight to the target. Ready, aim, fire, go get it. I get that. And if you haven't ever discovered the clitoris before, then girl, go for it. Find out where it's at. It's your body. You need to understand it. Use it to enjoy intimacy together. Figure out what it is and how you feel. Teach your partner and celebrate the joy and complexity that is the woman's body. But if you're already orgasmic and know exactly where that little sucker is, remember that the journey can be really good too. My husband is really great about this. He would rather sit in an airport than get on the airplane. If the drive took forever, I'm pretty sure he would be okay with never arriving at the destination. For me, it can be irritating as hell, but I thank God for it in the bedroom because he reminds me that the journey of having sex can be just as much pleasure as the end result. One of my professors once told his class, try to make it through an entire movie, just making out. Now, if you're abstaining from sex, this may put you in temptation's way, or you may already be a champ at foreplay. But if you're married, especially if you've been married for a while, try it. See how long you can play with each other. See how much you can get each other riled up. Don't just do the same old routine. It's easy once you find the clitoris to just head for the money, head for the gold. There's always more to learn about each other, though. I mean, from these episodes alone, you can see that there's more to explore and have fun with than what is common knowledge. Give your man a sex ed class on your body. Like, I'll show you mine if you show me yours. Point out different things and tease each other. Stare at each other naked. Enjoy it. This is supposed to be fun. It doesn't have to be a mandated chore. Even if you're pre-orgasmic, meaning you've never had an orgasm. It can feel like a chore sometimes, but it doesn't have to be that way. Find a way to meet in the middle and enjoy your best friend. So that is my caveat on the clitoris. I really think that the clitoris is important. I think you all should know where it's at. I think your partners should know where it's at. I think you should know how to pleasure it and you should feel no shame at all from feeling that pleasure there. And also you shouldn't expect yourself to just orgasm from the vagina and ignore the little clitoris there. That's like, Hey, I'm ready for pleasure too. But at the same time, don't, when you find it, don't just jump on and say like, all right, this is it. This is all I need. Like, let's just stimulate, let's orgasm and let's get done. Because I think it's so beautiful that God would put an organ on our bodies that is simply for pleasure and is so small and so hidden. And to me, that just says it's more than just about that thing. It's about finding that thing. 
It's about the process and the journey and getting there and enjoying the entire body as we work our way towards the center of pleasure. So that's my little spiel on the clitoris. I hope that was helpful for you guys. I hope that you understand it a little bit more and that you learn to use it to all of its capabilities with your partner and enjoy the discovery of that. Now onto the vagina. So in the vulva, the entrance to the vagina is located beneath the urethra or where you pee. You can think of the vagina as a pipe or a tube. Sometimes it's referenced as a canal, but it is more than just that entrance. So you've got the entrance to the vagina that's in the vulva, but the actual vagina itself goes up into your body and is the tube or the canal that connects to the uterus, which is where babies are or where you have your period, all of that. So the vagina is typically about three inches long when you're not aroused. And when you are aroused, it's about four to four and a half inches. Once you start orgasming, there's a whole lot that happens in there. So surrounding all these different parts of the female body that we've talked about is the pelvic floor muscles, which hold everything in place and they control it. Those are the muscles that contract, take care of you going to the bathroom, take care of orgasms, take care of holding, like I said, everything in place. When you orgasm, these muscles around the vagina contract involuntarily, and they also pull the uterus down. So after the the vagina has expanded up to that four to four and a half inches. When you start orgasming, the uterus pushes down and shortens that vagina back up a little bit and it collects all of that sperm. I would highly caution you to talk to a pelvic floor therapist before you ever start doing Kegels. A lot of women think, oh my goodness. Okay. So the pelvic floor muscles take care of the orgasm. So like I need to do that thing called Kegels. And I've seen that in magazines and Just hold on a second. There are a lot of women, myself included, that have actually learned they have to disengage those pelvic floor muscles and re-engage them in a different way. I'm going to talk more about this in another episode because if you're having painful sex, this might be one of the reasons. And simple Kegels do not do the trick. I know this is just a side note, but if you're one of those people, I'm really hoping this side note will encourage you to go seek professional help and go do some research before you start trying to engage in activities that might do more harm than good. So back to it, the inner lining of the vagina when aroused has glands, G-L-A-N-D-S, not G-L-A-N-S, like the clitoral glands. These glands release lubrication. This is where the majority of the lubrication for a woman comes from. I highly recommend using artificial lubrication as that's what's been recommended to me time and time and time again by professionals in the field and by women who've been at this a little longer than me. But if you're wanting to simply use your own lubrication, a tip is that you can try having your husband or you can do it, put your fingers in there and help pull that lubrication down. Just kind of hook up in there and pull the lubrication down because the lubrication actually happens up higher. So especially if you're lying on your back, that lubrication is not going to come down to the entrance of the vagina where it's actually needed. If you feel that you don't lubricate enough, this is highly likely. First of all, it has to do with hormones. So you might have low estrogen levels, like when you're a nursing mother, but the lubrication is only enacted when you're relaxed and turned on. And from experience, there may be times when you're not relaxed 
and not necessarily physically aroused, but you still want to have sex. A quickie, for example, and your body might not be ready for it. So please pull out the artificial lube. You can buy it in so many stores. You can get it at Walmart. You can get it at Target. You can get it like pretty much anywhere. Order it online so it comes in a safe little package and you don't have to check it out if you feel embarrassed. But it is completely natural and it is going to help sex go so much better. And it probably is going to take more than you think that you actually need. So feel free to get extra lubrication, even though our body does make that lubrication. Sometimes it's just not enough. And also you could simply just be one of those women who doesn't produce as much hormones or not. It's normal for there to be a variation in levels, especially when we go through different stressful seasons, different ages, different stages in our marriage or our emotional and relational life. So please go get extra lubrication if you need it. That's my caveat for uh, the vagina and lubrication. But a last note on the vagina is that there are not as many nerve endings in it, at least not as many as several other places on the vulva. So that doesn't mean that it's not as pleasurable, but it's really not the center of pleasure like what people historically thought it was. I just want you to have that insight so you know what you're working with. So if you feel like, you know, when he gets in me, I'm really not feeling it or I, you know, it doesn't do much for me. That's normal. Now the entrance to the vagina has a little bit more nerve endings, like the first third of it than the last two thirds. So there may be more feeling on that first third. And that is why the man's size really doesn't matter because whether or not he's small, big, long, short, Either way, it's just the entrance of the vagina that has more of the feeling than the back part of it. So if your man is ever worried about that, tell him, hey, really, size doesn't do much for me. So one of the things that we haven't talked about yet concerning the entrance of the vagina is the hymen. I was not really excited to talk about the hymen simply because there is so much conflicting information in scientific literature. To top it off, it's a highly sensitive spiritual topic, so much so that some cultures have women stitch it together if it's been broken before marriage, which is called a re-virginization. Some cultures require pelvic exams to confirm the presence of the hymen for virginity purposes. Historically, Jewish culture praised the breaking of the hymen during the consummation of marriage. When the hymen would break or tear or whatever, the sheets would be hung outside the home with the blood shown on it to signify that they'd consummated the marriage and that she had not previously had sex before that. But here's the problem. Even though there's conflicting literature, there is an understanding that you may or may not have a hymen. This thin little membrane goes around the edge of the vagina. If you have one, when having intercourse for the first few times, it might be painful and it might bleed slightly. It might also heal a little bit and bleed again later. If you did have one and are still a virgin, you're only 57% likely to have it intact when you go into your first time. Simply because even if you had one, there are activities like stretching and riding a bike or riding a horse that can break it. Now, one of the studies does show that there is no way that you're going to break that hymen by using a tampon. 
A tampon is too small to do that kind of damage if you have one. But what the hymen is not, the hymen is not a block to the vagina. It doesn't completely cover the vaginal entrance. If it did, you would know because it's a medical problem and you would have to have it surgically altered to allow your periods to work because the blood wouldn't actually come out when you had your periods. It can be thicker and it can make intercourse more difficult in the beginning, but if you are not able to actually achieve penetration at all in your first times or ever, maybe you still have problems, maybe it's been a while, that's very common, you are probably dealing with vaginismus, which is a completely different episode entirely and will be coming out. But I just wanted to make the note that the hymen is a lot smaller deal than what people make of it. It can seem scary because like, oh my gosh, I'm going to bleed maybe. I don't know. Like, how does this work? Is it really, really going to hurt? It can. It can hurt and you can bleed. And you also might not have it hurt at all and it might not bleed at all. Or you might not even have one there. So there are different variations in it and it can stretch and not bleed. It can be really thin and it can be a little tighter and you might tear it. There is a wide variety of how things can go down with the hymen. So the one thing I want you to take away from this, we don't know enough information about the hymen. Most scientific studies say evolutionary wise, like there's no purpose for it. And spiritually, the significance has been placed on it to protect a woman's virginity and have it be something special that her husband gets to do. If you have a hymen and it breaks, okay. And if you don't, okay. Please don't put any stock into this idea that giving your husband this opportunity to break your hymen is super special. Okay. Sex itself is super special. Hymen or no hymen. Problems? No problems. It is special in and of itself. And the hymen does not have significance. It's not something that Jesus talks about and says, all right, you know, if she doesn't have a hymen, we got issues. No. Just take a deep breath. And honestly, you cannot listen to this entire past section. And I think that he will be okay. The hymen has not as much significance as we place on it. And that is the one thing that I want you to take away from this. All right. I think that's everything I want to cover in today's episode. So there is so much more that I could talk about when it comes to bodies. And the next couple episodes are still going to be on anatomy. I'm going to cover one on the men's genitalia and another one on the other erogenous zones on the body, which is going to be a really fun one because really it's like the whole body, but you know, we'll get there when we get there. And I think that's all I have to cover for this week. So have a great week, friends. We'll still be talking about anatomy next week. And I am really excited for that episode. So I will see you there on Wednesday. 